0: Welcome, everyone, to The Boss Lady Speaks. I am your host, Coach Joe or Johanna Sawalha, and uh, this podcast is all about thought leaders and anybody who has done the deeper thinking in their field, and it's my great honor today to have Andrew Richards from the UK with me. He is a coach for men, but Andrew, we said coach for men with a caveat. So could you please explain the caveat?
1: Hello, Joe. Well, it's a mini caveat. There are certain women who seem to find their way to me, regardless of me saying that. And that's fine. I really enjoy working with women too. Uh, So uh, these women tend to be functioning at a high level in male-dominated industries, particularly or situations. And they find having a male perspective on some of the challenges they're facing extremely helpful. So well it's really
0: interesting because it's very, very specific, isn't it? And you know, given that we're almost in a 50-50 world of men and women, there's almost no woman who don't have to deal with men and vice versa. So So do you also have people not just in the boardroom or in a a male dominated company? Can people just come and or women just come and say, hey, you know, make me understand you guys.
1: There's a lot of that, too, actually. Um, So, yeah, it's certainly true that there are a lot of things that women want to reach into in themselves where it's useful to have a male perspective and a male perspective that isn't from you know, a partner or a close friend who might have a, a vested interest or an agenda of their own. So yeah, that's a unique experience for them to to have that in a, in a man who is just gonna ask the right questions and draw out the stuff at the right time.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I, I just, I personally think it's great because I personally know you. So I think it's fabulous. Wouldn't it be awesome if really the two genders could understand each other better? Maybe I should Maybe I should start saying like I'm a coach, like I, I can have like women understand men better or men women, I don't know, like I don't know, probably men understand women better, I don't know. Anywho, today we're not going to talk about that actually. The topic of today is including and not inclusion because there's a lot of talk of that, uh, these days in terms of all the political upheaval we've been through and diversity and uh, the diversity conversation, but they kind of including that we decided we discussed today is has to do with your own psychology. And in as much as when things happen that are not desirable, and I don't know anybody who cannot relate to this, especially in 2020 with the pandemic we've been through, um, when things happen and that throw a real curveball in our plans, how do we include it versus reject it, resist it, get mad at it, wish it wouldn't be there? And um, I'll turn this conversation over to you next, but it, it came up specifically for you personally because you happened to have your first bone break. Uh, not too long ago, you broke your leg. And that's certainly something that throws a curveball and it shouldn't be this way. And I wish it hadn't happened, etc. But we also discussed how you could include it in your life experience. So could you take the listeners through this journey you've been through the past few weeks?
1: <laughs> yes, of course. So, uh, well, a bit of context here. I'm I'm a fit and strong guy. I was out walking with my dog and my wife and I've got a very large dog. Uh, she's called Spirit, by the way. Um, she's a deer hound, and uh, she loves to run, um, but she also loves to do that whilst not looking where she's going, evidently. And uh, on that morning back in November, she crashed at full speed into the side of my leg, um, which I didn't really see coming, <laughs> maybe because she moved so quickly. But, yeah, there was an impact. There was an unpleasant sound of my bone breaking and uh, wow yeah and then I hit the floor and actually on the way down to hitting the floor I just let out a roar of frustration because I knew what the next weeks would be having in store for me in terms of incapacitation limitation you know curtailing my movement really so wait Andrew you're telling
0: me that it wasn't a roar of pain it was a roar of frustration looking ahead
1: yeah yeah sure it hurt but the the, (laughs) You know the the frustration was what came out of me. I was felt like I'd been cut down.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, um, at the ankles, literally. And um, I'm in the middle of a building project at home, so that requires you know physical mobility I have to exercise all over the place, running and swimming and cycling and stuff. It's a big part of my life. So, and as I'd find out later, actually fairly deep-seated fear of mine about incapacitation or inability to move freely yeah so that was a big deal and you know coaching me through that has been massively helpful with this idea of including the event or the out the output of the event in my life um, and I guess a lot of us have seen a change curve right in corporate land where uh-huh. you see the whole whole process we go through kubler ross or something i think it's called isn't it where yeah at the end of it after you've sort of processed the change there's this thing called acceptance mm.
0: that
1: you get to and i think what i've learned through the coaching around this idea of including is getting to that acceptance piece a lot more quickly so
0: what do you think i mean because we did we did discuss it and and so if we do it before and after like before thinking about including the bone break in your life experience, what, what was happening that wasn't that?
1: Oh, massive resentment, actually. Not of the dog, of course. Uh, I, <laughs> she, she's lovely, but um, yeah, I was really hating my leg for not healing fast enough. Hmm. Um, I wasn't, you know, showing it love and helping it recover. I was, you know, swearing at my leg yeah. Why did you have to break? Um, right. It was almost like I had an expectation of an accident free life and being physically yep. indestructible, which is ludicrous if you think about it. But um, yeah, a resentment that my aging body, and I'm, I'm only 47, I might say, right. but you know, it's not as bouncy as it used to be when I was, you know, 17, maybe. So yeah um anger. yeah
0: and cuz cuz then then you and I had that conversation where I was like well you you really could flip it and you could say thank you body for keeping me strong and safe for 47 years most people you know don't go and maybe not most i don't have that data but a lot of people don't go that long without having any kind of bone break
1: sure and i've had plenty of chances to break bones actually so i have been very fortunate in not doing so um but yes, flipping the perspective, you know, 180 I, it was a masterstroke, really, because I was so entrenched in hatred of my body letting me down. Yeah. You know, it was not helping. Right. <laughs> not helping. No, it
0: doesn't. It doesn't but help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and look, I'm not going to tell you, I still don't occasionally look down at my leg and think, come on, you know, can we heal already? But right. Uh, it's moved me completely to a stage now where I'm, you know, I'm putting cream on it and saying they're there and helping it.
0: Yeah. it. They're there, lovely, supportive leg. But then let's discuss that then, because I think that this tool could be, is incredibly helpful when these things happen, because life, life happens and life is messy and it doesn't go according to plan. And it's a lovely mess, but that it's certainly a perspective, <laughs> the, the lovely part, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if uh, what are some of the ways, if we're just going to discuss this, like maybe maybe you can say yours and I can I can say some some that I can think of in that one can move through this quickly to get to the place the new perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I think keeping those those sort of change curves in mind that we've all seen, I I think of it a bit like skipping ahead in. In class, you know, uh, I don't know if you did that as a kid, but I definitely did where the teacher gives you something to read and you read to the end before they finished explaining it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. I'm going to feel shock, then I'm going to feel anger, then resentment, and then so on, depression, blah, blah, blah. Why don't we fast forward through all that stuff and get to the good bit, which is moving on, right? Incorporating, including, and, you know, accepting what's happened. That's not to say that you don't spend any time processing what's happened, but maybe if you can curtail the least useful parts of it, there's some benefit there. And I, I believe there is.
0: That's interesting. Uh, cause, and how do we do that without faking it to ourselves? Cause that, that doesn't work either. Like pretending we're not angry yeah. or resentful.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that at all. Right. I think each of those phases is a thing, right? It's, it's definitely true that the initial shock was there. Um, I think I got through that part quite quickly but some of those phases of anger and resentment could have lasted a lot longer had I not realized that yes there was a process that I was going to go through and there's an element of choice about how long you spend on each of them right so, not that you don't honor them and recognize, right. recognize how you're feeling about it right but if you hadn't had that mindful way of looking at the process you were going through it could be very easy to get stuck in one of those phases for a time so
0: it is yeah. that is very true uh, i think don't you think tell me what you think about this i think that there really are i mean I, I mean i i've heard this at least that there are true emotions right there's true like holy anger or deep sadness or great joy and those are all true emotions but then if we overstay our welcome (laughs) in any particular phase and it no longer is really true for the moment, the next moment we're in, it becomes kind of thwarted. So anger becomes resentment and uh, joy becomes maybe chipperness that that it's not really connected to the next moment uh, in in that we tend to we tend to linger, don't we? Like instead of going, okay, this is this moment, and then there's the next moment, and each carry their own true emotion. And I'm thinking that anger—the more we dwell in anger, it has a way to self-proliferate, doesn't it? It, it? It's almost like when we say, "Oh, we should let our anger out." I don't know. The more the more anger that's there, the more anger we just kind of uh, engage in, the more angrier we get. Because really what's underneath the, the next phase of it is really sadness. That's why sometimes you can be angry and then you start crying. Um, so I'm wondering if it's, there is like a thwartedness of a true emotion when we get stuck in one stage and why? Like why do we? Like what is this attachment to like not moving on to the next piece? What do you think?
1: There's lots of things going on there. Um, anger sort of it can persist and we think we're still angry about something. But as you said, it, you know, it can be bitterness or sadness or something else subtly different to anger in the end. Um, you know, when you hear a joke and you laugh, it's funny for as long as it's funny and you can revisit it and laugh at it again. But it's never quite as intense as the first time you you hear it. And if you try to yeah. laugh, if you try and laugh for longer than you want to laugh, it, it isn't right. It doesn't feel genuine, does it? Right. Um, So I think there's a lot going on with it. But the bottom line for me is that if you have a level of self-awareness after the initial flush of the emotion, let's say, the initial anger, you have an awareness and you're noticing what's going on in yourself, then that's immensely powerful because you're you're sort of separating your emotion from your longer-term response to being affected by the emotion. Yeah, I may have successfully no. confused you there.
0: <laughs> no, no, but it, like it makes me—it's—it's it's like it kind of like a, like a like a candy I have to kind of savor here because I'm I'm trying to like, tease out. Let, f- just for the sake of argument, this might be all fine and dandy when we sit with ourselves and our own little petty problems because clearly they are compared to many many in, in the world, but. If, 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 because he, we hear, we, I mean, a leg takes a few weeks to, to heal, right? What do we, like, how could we, with a straight face, tell people to include corona and the pandemic in their lives and in their, the, the history and timeline of their lives, especially if they have gotten it, suffered from it, lost someone? Um, does, does, let's call it our concept of inclusion, still apply?
1: That's a great question, isn't it? Um, So, look, Corona's had a massive impact on virtually every person on the planet. Um, You could argue that actually it's including itself, whether we like it or not. And in our response to fighting against it, um, it gets very complicated about what you allow to to happen and feel about in what you do to try and stop it. So, you know, does producing a vaccine, for example, or um, going through the various measures that we're going through to protect ourselves, is that including? Ostensibly, no, but actually yes, because, you know, we're trying to find a way of of living with what is a natural phenomenon um, and, and moving through it. So moving on with our lives.
0: Well, now you're really, now you're going there, Andrew. So, because I'm going to run with that ball. Ready? Okay. You said a natural, like a, an occlusion of the natural, you know, way of, I'm paraphrasing, like progress of life and how things go. Well, that also includes death then, doesn't it? It, it does. Aging, death, bone break, sickness, the, the fact, like we, the, the, we have to include sickness and death in life. How many people do you know that does, not, does that? I only know a few Buddhists, but I don't know. <laughs> not your everyday man, as far as I know.
1: Well, no. Um, and it's a, a deep-seated fear for many. Um, I think death actually seems to be less feared than illness and, you know, the generation. Because, of course, in our Western society now, people are living longer and, there's a lot more radio around, you know, slow degradation, dementia, all those sorts of things that really didn't exist in such a high intensity, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people. So yeah, I do think that you're onto something here um, that certainly anybody much under the age of years old or maybe older now won't have memories of a pervading hardship that lasted in years, right? So I'm thinking World War II here as the last last huge event that rocked the world for a long time. Um, This is our version of it, um, and it's not apples to apples comparison, but, you know, in terms of length of time passing, changes to life in the everyday way. Yeah. This is as close as many of us will ever get to being in a a sort of wartime situation where... um, Things are very different. Um, I guess also, I mean, so many horrible things happened in World War Two, and my family had a, a had a massive toll taken on it in, in that war. Mm. Yeah. But throughout that, you know, everybody could, if they were together, they could be sociably connected and communicating still. Um, so that's a difference, isn't it? In that now we've we've lost physical connectedness that. you know in the wartime we we had so I I guess I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but this is a big event for you know the the modern generation the post-war generation to contend with
0: and 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 it's an interesting comparison because as far as I know we've now reached the same death toll that uh, COVID-19 has has claimed as many deaths as World War II did is what I hear
1: I didn't know that
0: yeah Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, these podcast episodes are, uh, not, uh, that long, but, uh, it always feels like a teaser. Like we might have to revisit this, Andrew and, and taking it even deeper, but, uh, I can just share one personal way I've dealt with it and us in our family. um, in, in terms of the inclusion. And I, I, because I do hear also, I've had some friends get divorced during this time. And, you know, some people are just sick of having to share their space, you know, day in and day out with their, with their family. And, and that I can certainly understand that. But one, one thing that I've paid really close attention to and that I've cared about is to, how can I call it? Upgrade my own little pet peeves. That's the best way I can put it. I've been, I've been thinking about upgrading my pet peeves and the things that on a day to day basis irritate me about not, not the kids so much, but my husband, you know, you know how that goes coach to men. Like we yeah. we have a way of just like, if you've been married more than 10 years, I can't imagine that there are things that that other person does, right? Like, I don't know, smacking or snoring or whatever it is that they do. But I really, um, given how much more time we spend together, I'm th- I was thinking, you know, I can't really afford the amount of irritation that those hang-ups cost me. And, and unless I, I really want to spend the time to retrain my husband in certain ways, if it's that important, I really could just let it go. I really could just let it go, right? Let, let, let whatever those little irritants be the reminder of the things that do work. And uh, like, almost like a little bell that, that t- t- to teach me and remind me to be grateful for what I do have. So again, like, like to your point, Andrew, I can quickly switch out of that, that moment, move through the, 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 the moment that doesn't really serve anybody. And uh, on, on our run this morning, my husband told me that he said, you, and cause I, I told him I was going to do that. I told him I was going to, this, my commitment. And he said, you really did. He said, I have not had the experience because sometimes, you know, like I'll be grumpy in the morning. And he said, I'll come down to like a, a you know, a fuming, you know, bomb that's about to go off at any moment. Like I, he, 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 and the fact that he got used to tiptoeing down to the kitchen, it's like, that's not cool. Uh, and I, and I fixed it. And, and he's like, I, you know, it's like gone. And he acknowledged me for that. And he said, it's so wonderful and pleasant. And he thanked me. And, and uh, so of course, it's easy to say that is an easy fix after you've done it, like then it's no big deal. But after the fact, it did seem easy and it didn't seem as big of a deal to do, to just drop that part. Kind of like you said, do I really have to stay angry? Like, do I really have to be a grump at this moment? I don't think like just changing my freaking mind. So that's what I've done. Do you do any, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. um, I've done something similar myself uh, with my, my family and my friends. um, And what got me there was just looking upon that person or those people with, with love actually, and saying, look, here is, here is a being trying to make sense of the world going along in the way they know how doing their thing. Who am I to get in the way of that? You know, So, you know, that they, they don't make sense to them. And sure, it might irritate me now and then, but look in the mirror, right? We,
0: yeah.
1: We're all trying to make sense of the world, going along, doing our various things. We've all got our irritating habits. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, live and let live a bit. And it's a cliche, but it's true. Right.
0: Oh, it sounds a bit like you—you you include them, warts and all, right? Yeah, come as you are.
1: <laughs> well, if you expect to be included yourself, you got to start, right?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe that also goes for ourselves. Like, can can we include ourselves, warts and all? Like, do we have compassion with our lesser, lesser selves, lesser sides of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like, like you yelling at your leg, like
1: definitely, definitely. <laughs> and that's that's one of the the biggest things I've learned in the past couple of decades. Actually, when as a young man or a you know a teenager, you kind of hope you're going to be good at everything. You know, you're not going to be, yeah. but you at least think, okay, it's possible. I might be excellent at fill in the blank. Uh-huh. And you quickly find out that various things aren't your forte. And looking along, looking on that um, with a smile, you know, the things that you're not so good at and just saying, well, you know, there's still time to enjoy, even if I'm no good at it. Um, and having a laugh at some of the things that, Actually, you've got no hope of being very good at because you're who you are.
0: Yeah, that's such a great like such a great way to wrap wrap it all up. That It's not just so that we can be kind to our surroundings, but maybe that is the hardest part to be kind to ourselves, including your own bone breaks and body.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm looking at my leg right now and yeah, it's it's doing OK. It's a bit bigger than the one that's healthy still a bit swollen but um yeah i'm i'm loving it
0: well andrew thank you for hopping on today i really appreciate it and i always value our conversations and and i i am sure my listeners will enjoy hearing you speak as much as i do thank you thank you joe If you liked this episode of The Boss Lady Speaks, and if it helped you, make sure to subscribe to get more episodes like these and do share them with others.